Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Side Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis. Uh, yeah, the, the Cubs are struggling. Let's, let's just kind of cut everything and go right into it. Uh, wishing everyone, though, a happy Independence Day. We are recording this on the evening of July 3rd, so the 4th of July is tomorrow as of right now. So wishing everybody a happy 4th of July. Adam, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I hope you and your family are getting ready to have a nice Independence Day weekend here. I know yeah. I am too. We've got family in town and let's hope that there's not too many ER visits for everybody. Oh, yeah, that's always a That's always a big thing. I'm, I I always feel bad for the on-call doctors over 4th of July cuz I'm sure they get so many burn victims. Yeah, uh, people listening to this, if you're going to light off fireworks this weekend, just just be careful. And don't try to impress your friends or anyone online by doing something dumb, by putting like a bottle rocket in your pants. Just just don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah, and well, if you don't have kids, and if you're not around kids, what, what are you doing lighting off fireworks anyway? America, dang it. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I, like, I like it. I, I like watching it. I'm kind of been past the point of wanting to light them off, but I still enjoy watching them. Yeah, you know, I we like to go to the fire, the local fireworks shows uh, on Fourth of July. It's usually what I do with my friends. The only thing is, is that they've canceled some of them because of bad weather. Oh, that, really? Got some yeah. some nasty weather down there in Chicago. Well, so we've had, it, and if you're listening to this in Chicago, I know you can agree with me on this it has been the weirdest weather the past week i mean it's been hot which is not unusual but the problem is is that there are these really weird small spurts of these awful thunderstorms that have high damaging winds incredible amount of lightning and hail but they come in these small like spurts they don't last very long but you don't want to be around when they pop up but just over this weekend, there was a, a small, small burst, like a small system going through. But my goodness, the wind was unbelievable. The lightning just just lit up the whole sky like you wouldn't believe. It felt like Armageddon for like five minutes. So a lot of the fields where people watch the fireworks are like, you know, flooded or swampy. And they they've had to like cancel some of the shows already. It's just it's a bummer. Yeah, that that's that sounds terrible. It's been a weird summer for a lot of people, yeah, not yes. just in the Chicago area. It's it's been kind of bizarre down here in Nebraska too. We've had so much rain. It's it's ridiculous how much rain we've had the past couple of months. Because I can remember when there's an old saying decades ago for farmers for corn, it was knee high by Fourth of July which nowadays is not true at all. Nowadays, it's more like shoulder high by 4th of July just because of how technology is advanced in farming. But right now, it, all the corn pretty much does look just knee high because there's been so much moisture that they just the farmers haven't been able to do anything until recently. It's, it's been a crazy wet summer, lots of storms, no bueno, and it's just humid as, as humid could be too. I mean, it, it's really, it's toasty. Yeah, and the listeners, you can obviously tell that Adam and I are from different regions of the country when one is talking about corn and the other is talking about Chicago suburbs. <laughs> so, 
But yeah, I mean, it's one of the other things that I find very strange is you think about this summer, at least in this area, and you are feeling the two extremes. You remember when you, if you live around where I do, you remember when it was minus 45 out. And now the past week, it has been as humid as like it could possibly be. You, you sweat two seconds outside. It, you think about the past six, seven months, you've gotten the absolute two extremes here. But that's how it goes. Yeah. Well, you can take comfort in knowing that we haven't had any pleasant days down here either. So we're, we're suffering right along with you, just in a different way, I suppose. But we're all suffering right now watching this Cubs team, which... <sighs> Has, had to bring them up. Yeah, it, believe it or not, we are going to be talking about the Cubs on this podcast. This has not been changed to uh, climbing the weather mains, so that's that's I'm, we have to talk about it, unfortunately. Uh, so they've lost their first two in Pittsburgh. They lost two or three in Cincinnati. They came off what I would say is a pretty dang disappointing homestand, even though some of the wins you did have during that homestand were pretty awesome. You had a nice comeback win. You saw Craig Kimbrell's first save as a Cub. Uh, you know, you saw some good things, but you didn't do exactly what you had hoped. You had hoped to have beaten up on that Mets team. You split, but you wanted better than that at home, especially with that Mets team. But, you know, things right now are just, they're... They're not good. They're, no, they're no. not good. <laughs> Uh, you know, I took to the show alone the other night after that 18 to five drumming and the Pirates put up 18 runs in one game for the first time in like decades. Apparently, I think actually the last time they did, I think was the year they won the World Series in 79. That's how long it's been. Just keep that in oh, mind. Wow. Yeah, it was like a Steelers bear score, but it also almost wasn't because for some reason the Bears always beat the Steelers. But, you know, that's. That's either here or there. But overall, my point is we have seen just some of the ugliest baseball recently, whether it's giving up a ton of runs, whether it's not hitting with runners on or not hitting, period, or just sloppy play on the base pads, the defense. What is the most concerning thing for you right now? If you had to pick out one thing that concerns you the most, what is it? Well... For sure, sloppy defense has has been a big part of it. I mean, I've noticed more and more lately they're they're making some really boneheaded mistakes out there, mm-hmm. and that we're used to seeing this defensive squad make good plays routinely, but now they're just botching some routine ones, and it's that's a head scratcher because none of these guys, most of them, they're they're not young guys anymore. They're not no. they're not super young guys. They've been doing this a long time. They've won at the highest level. Like th- this is the kind of stuff that should not be happening over and over again. I mean, it, sure, you, you're going to make some boneheaded mistakes every once in a while. I grant them that it happens to everybody, every team. But this is starting to kind of look like a pattern here. Like this is they're doing it more and more, and that just should not be the case with this group. And I I don't know I don't know if there's any truth to this. There's it's not really the kind of thing you can prove, and it sounds a little cliche. But they they start they kind of look a little complacent to mm-hmm. me. There just doesn't look like there's a whole lot of fire in them right no, now. I know. It just kind of seems like game after game, it just looks like they're going through the motions. And I don't know what it is that they're missing 
that they need to get a spark again, but this should not be happening. I mean, if you look at the Cubs roster, you look at their roster top to bottom, and then you look at the record they've got and the way they've been playing, something's wrong. Something's missing here. And, you know, normally when the Cubs are playing poorly, I, I just chalk it up to it's a slump. Every team has some slumps, little periods. This isn't a little a little period of slumping anymore. This is This is something more than that. They should be better than basically a 500 team is what they're about to be if they don't if they don't uh, pick it up here. And I I have to wonder if it's a veteran leadership thing. If they're maybe even not it doesn't even necessarily have to be a veteran. I just wonder if they're missing a clubhouse leader right now. You know, I think a lot of people are feeling the same way you are. And sometimes I think we overthink the whole fire passion cliche thing, but I think it's okay to ask right now, or at least it's, it's okay to at least maybe come across in your mind because like you said, we're seeing it over and over. And I said on the last episode, it's constant. These kinds of things are constant. Uh, I'm not saying you have to start a fight in the dugout. Someone's got to throw punches to get this team going. But they just, they kind of step up there, hang their heads, and it's same thing yeah. next day. I just, I think that they're really missing having a guy like David Ross. And I almost wonder, it, it seems like there's a noticeable difference in how things are going since Ben Zobrist has had to leave. Yeah. And so I wonder if Ben Zobrist wasn't kind of that guy when David Ross left. And I, other than Ben Zobrist, I'm just not sure who that guy would be on this Cubs team. I think people would want to point to Anthony Rizzo, but yep. to be honest with you, I'm not, I'm not terribly inclined to believe that that's the kind of guy Anthony Rizzo is. You know, he, he's, a, he's a great guy, great ball player, but I don't know that I see him as being the super vocal clubhouse leader, fire everybody up kind of guy. I certainly don't see that from Chris Bryant. Um, I don't know, maybe John Lester, since he's the he's the bona fide ace. He's won multiple World Series. Is he's an older guy, but he he strikes me as being a quiet guy too. I just don't know that they've got a fire starter in that clubhouse right now. Yeah, you know the way I see Rizzo is he's the leader on the field, and he may be a leader in the dugout. But I don't know if he is in the clubhouse. I can't say he is or isn't, but I think it's fair to wonder that. Uh, You talked about John Lester. John Lester, while being a good teammate, I don't think is necessarily a leader. I think he's just the kind of, look, I'm going to do my job and you better dang do yours or else you're going to hear about it. Yeah, that's kind of the way I I see him too, yeah. And that's, you know, I, I, I I respect that. Yeah, I just don't know that I don't know that they've got the uh the motivator right now. That was I, I'm Ross. Just, I'm just not yeah, it was Ross and maybe it was Zobrist. I don't I have no idea if, if he was that guy or not, but to me it seems like something changed after he left. There's definitely something missing. I, I mean, it's hard to chalk this up as just a bad stretch because it's been it's been a really long stretch, and mm-hmm. it's not it's not it's not a type of situation where they're all hitting the ball really hard. It's just going right to people, and it, it, this is this is more like they just they can't hit a lick, and they're making dumb, stupid mistakes on defense and on the base paths. Like that's it looks like that's, last September. That's a and that's a mental thing. 
Because yeah. all those guys on that field are much better than that. They've proven it to us already. It, we're, you know, we're not just assuming that these these are going to be good. We know, you know, these are all established guys who are not playing anywhere close to their potential. And I could, you know, I can see people making the case uh, in the batter's box. You know, you can't always control that very well. I I still tend to think that this is it's gone on long enough that it's it's cause for alarm. But on the base paths and in the field, that's the kind of thing you can control. You know, you're, you're going to have hitting slumps, and sometimes you, you just can't do anything about that. But the, cutting down errors and getting picked off on the base paths, that's the mm-hmm. kind of thing that they that should not be happening as much as it is. You see a difference between results and fundamentals. Fundamentals are fully in your control. Sure, mm-hmm. you can hit a ball hard, and it goes right to someone. That's part of the game. It happens it tends to even out. But fundamentals are something that should always be there. When they won the World Series, they had historically good defensive run save numbers. They also had historically good uh, run differential. Everywhere. They were as fundamentally sound as any team in baseball that year. Yeah. Yeah, top to bottom, whether it was pitching, fielding, base running, it was all there, and you are just not seeing it come together right now. You want to know something else that is just going to make your stomach turn, and I'm sure a lot of you who are on Twitter who see the stats are already aware of this, but uh, coming into tonight's game, July 3rd, remember this is July 3rd, the game is going on right now, so the results will not necessarily go along with the stat, but coming into this game, the Cubs had four road wins since Memorial Day. You know, that was over a month ago, uh, right? Four. Yeah, that's, see, that's, that's cause for alarm. That, I mean, there's, there's something seriously wrong there. Because they, they should not be that bad. And I hate to, I hate to ask this question because I'm as staunch a defender of Joe Madden as anyone. But, I mean, you in times like this, you, you have to go back to him, right? I mean, there has to be yeah. some level of accountability on the team manager when your team is just playing sloppy ball. I mean, part of that is on Joe. You can't blame this all on Joe, but you can certainly question what's going yeah, yeah. wrong. Right. I'm I'm not I'm not saying this is necessarily Joe Madden's fault. Right, right. But I am saying that it is definitely one hundred percent his job to get through to these guys that this cannot be happening Absolutely. as much as it is. Yeah. And you, you you saw did you see the clip with Wilson Contreras before their win against the White Sox like a week ago or two weeks ago, whenever it was, where he's like, All right, you know, this is it. We're gonna win today, yada yada. So kinda like that. Yeah, so I did see that positive. Clip. Yeah, I mean, and you like that kind of stuff. Yeah. But when does it get to a point where it's like, you know, no more Mr. Calm guy. Yeah. Wake Joe Madden's up. he's always been kind of the he's very lax and he seems to to fit in really well with those guys. Uh, but that can sometimes be a problem because when you're one of the guys you don't command as much respect from them as you otherwise would. Uh, and, you know, you see that in, in, in sports all over the place, especially high school youth sports. I see it around here, too. If, if you know, if a youth coach tries hard enough to just be one of the guys, to be friends with them, then, then they don't respect you and you don't get through to them and you don't, you don't send the right messages. And I, I'm not saying that's Joe Madden. 
But I, I just wonder if sometimes he has a hard time being the the authoritarian figure of that team because it's got to be somebody. You know, there's got to be somebody who says, you know, this can't happen anymore. If you have a player like that, that's a luxury, but that should be in every manager. It's ultimately your job as a manager. Yeah, your it's job is not to be their buddies. Yeah, your your job your job is to get them playing good ball. And if that means, you know, if that means being unpopular with some of your players for a little bit, then so be it. That's what has to be done. You know, it's it's kind of funny. Imagine if this was a Lou Pinella team. Lou Pinella would probably scream at them and then down a oh, bottle yeah. of scotch. Yeah, and <laughs> that's, that's what Lou Pinella would have done. And that's not necessarily the right route either. I think there's there's a middle ground between yes. these two things for sure. There's there's a happy medium. Absolutely. I just don't know that. You know, I, I'm not here. To, I don't know what goes on. I'm not here to to call into question necessarily. But you know, we we don't know what goes on. All I know is that something probably has to change whether it be small or large something's going to have to change because they they can't carry on like this and why don't we just go into this subject before i think people need to jump on the fire madden train i before i mean it's oh, your I'm right to there. jump on it or not and i'm not there yet either but before you do just take a minute to think you know okay Let's say they did. A, who are you going to bring in? It's going to be internal for the rest of the year, right? right? That's usually how it works. Yeah. Well, I certainly don't think firing a manager mid-season is going to help the players' mentality either. I, I'm not a fan of that. No. I mean, unless it's unless it's like a legit, unless it's you know a fireable offense that occurred, that's a different story. But firing a manager mid-season when you're still technically a contender i think it is that's a bad that's bad procedure i think and some people may turn and look because this has happened in hockey a lot you see i mean the st louis blues the champion st louis blues they fired their coach they were in last place they turned it around and won the stanley cup you've seen that happen in hockey a lot now that's a completely different sport and you know baseball uh Different things happen in baseball. You know, sometimes in hockey, you'll see them bring in a veteran coach after you fire someone or, you know, uh, promote internally. That's what the Blues did. But, uh, you know, it's, it's not always going to just solve your problems magically. The other thing that maybe this is more of an opinion, but and this because this could probably be a whole other conversation for another time, uh, like after this year. But I just want to re- reiterate this opinion. Uh, I don't know if you feel the same, but Joe Girardi is not the answer. Stop panning for um, Joe Girardi. Yeah, I I have mixed feelings about that. I'm personally I like Joe Madden. I don't I don't want to see him fired. And I, you know, even despite what's going on right now, I'm a proponent of extending him. Maybe not a long term extension, but I would like to I would like him to continue being the Cubs manager for a while. I don't necessarily have a problem with Joe Girardi either. You know, I'm not sure I'm not sure what fans expect him to solve, but I'm not sure what they think is gonna get worse with him either. I think Joe Girardi is a good manager. I really do. And I think that if he was the Cubs manager, I genuinely believe he would do a good job. But I also think the Cubs have a really good thing in Joe Madden right now, and I know times are tough at the moment, but 
if history is any indicator, this isn't necessarily a Joe Madden problem. I think it's something else. And so I, I'm not on the train uh, you know, of getting rid of Madden and hiring Girardi either, but I, I also don't think that if that happened, it would be the worst thing in the world. I like Joe Girardi. I think he's a good manager. I mean, there, there are definitely worse things that could happen. Uh, I think it is, there are clear things that Joe Mann does that I think are just not good. Uh, One prime example, prime example was last night, bringing in Mike Montgomery once again to face a lefty. He has been horrid, horrid in that situation. And Joe Mann did it again and he gives up a three-run homer. That stuff I don't get. Continuing to play Addison Russell over David Bodie. It drives that's, me nuts. That's a head scratcher too. That's a, I I don't know what the deal is with that. If David Bodie rubbed Joe Madden the wrong way or something, or which if would be really hard to imagine. Wrong. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, I I just don't understand it either. I think David Bodie has earned way more playing time than what he's getting. I just don't understand it. And this doesn't even have anything to do with personal feelings about. Addison Russell's character. This is just, I think David Bodie is the better ball player choice at the moment. And it's, it's, it's a head scratcher as to why he's not getting any playing time. I really don't understand it. I think this is just my personal opinion. I think it's less of a anti Bodie thought from Madden, more of just, I want to play Russell. I want to play Russell. I want to get him time. I want him to build his value. And, you know, maybe the front office is kind of nudging him to do it. I was, I was just going to say that it's a fair, it's fair to ask that if this has more to do with Theo and Jed than it does with Joe, if, if, if the front office is like, Hey, you know, Addison Russell is, is supposed to be a big part of this team. He's here. You got to play him. And I don't know if that's part of what's going on or not, but that wouldn't surprise me. It's, it's frustrating because at the end of the day, what's more important, building value for one player or doing what you think is very best to win? Isn't if, if this formula continues to not work, if this square peg does not fit in this round hole, do you keep trying to make that square peg fit or do you try to find something else that could maybe fit better? Try something different. If one thing continues to not work and you're not getting results, why aren't you changing it? Well, that's that's the frustrating part is that we don't know the motive. We don't know that if, if that's what they're trying to do, if they're, if they're playing Addison Russell so much because they want to build value for him to, to move him somewhere else and get something good in return, or if they really genuinely believe that Addison Russell gives them the best chance to win. And this is a whole causation correlation thing that you can't necessarily prove or disprove. But you, know, you look at the record when Addison Russell is playing and when he's not playing, the Cubs are winning a lot more ball games uh-huh. when he's not playing. And so it, that could be, it doesn't necessarily mean it's Addison Russell that's losing them all those games. But, you know, the numbers are the numbers too, you know. Well, that, again, that's exactly what I'm saying. It may not make full sense. I mean, Addison Russell obviously is not responsible for every single one of those losses, no matter how good or bad he's playing. But again, if the formula is not working, don't 
keep doing it. Well, I mean, and it would be one thing if their their secondary option to Addison Russell was just Joe Schmo, who's very clearly not as good of an option. But I you mean, I don't Daniel think Descalso. Any, but yeah, well, yeah, Daniel Descalso. But I don't think anyone would argue that David Bodie is ad, as good or better, probably better at least this season than Addison Russell. Right. So I mean, when you've got David Bodie there, who's been playing well lately, I just don't understand the logic behind keeping him on the bench all this time while they and continue to lose Bode games. That extension. If you extend yeah, it, if you yeah, you, you, you signed you... him. You signed him to a fifteen million dollar extension to play him once every six days and to come off the bench. Like seriously, that's what I'm exactly, exactly. That's another thing that I just do not understand. I mean, those are the two biggest gripes I have with Joe that I can for sure see. I mean, look, when we're talking about the whole culture in the clubhouse and the way he interacts with the players, I mean, we're, you and I are really just kind of going off the little that we see. We don't know what's going on behind closed doors. Right. I mean, we could be completely guessing. Maybe, maybe he is a bit more aggressive in the clubhouse. We don't know. I don't think that's the case, but it could be possible. But these are things we can clearly see. And the other thing that we can clearly see is when a lot of parts are struggling, when a lot of cogs that are supporting the core aren't working, both starters and relievers and bench players, whoever. I mean, Joe Madden only has so much he can work with. And you can't always blame failed execution on him you can question some of the fundamentals on coaching I think that's fair when the when the fundamentals are not there I think you could question that on coaching but like at the beginning of the year when every bullpen pitcher was struggling I he he, what could he have done at at one point everyone was struggling there's nothing he could have done so I think you can criticize him for certain things there is no question but when people just want to blame it on Joe Madden you got to take a step back on that. Oh, yeah, certainly. I mean, people, especially online, they go overboard in their criticism of Joe Madden. I think I think a lot of the criticism directed at him is is uncalled for and and not totally justified. Uh, I think that there are some very legitimate gripes with Joe Madden. I feel the same way about some of them. But I think that, you know, this is we know we already knew that's who he was. And we we were okay with it because the positives were overwhelmingly better than the negatives, and so you, you you could live with it. But now we're to a point where the team is playing so bad that those 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 uh those gripes that people have his his faults they're a little more glaring now. Now that things aren't going so well, it's the same Joe Madden as ever. But now that things are are tough. You know, he's kind of under the microscope a little bit more. And I think it really raises the question as to whether or not the Cubs are going to do anything significant at the trade deadline. And when I say that, I don't just mean acquiring a big piece. I mean selling pieces, too, which it sounds, you know, front office has been just a little bit cryptic lately. But it kind of sounds like they're not totally closing the door on the idea of selling, of being sellers, which is just insane to think about that three short years ago, they were winning the world series and now here they are and they're not ruling out selling. I don't know. And I take it. You're going off of the interview that Theo Epstein had today. Uh Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you missed it, one of his quotes was, we're all really frustrated. Obviously 
It's a stretch of play nobody's proud of, nor should anybody be. It's hard, but you find out a lot about what people are made of during stretches like these. It obviously can't continue. It's not acceptable. There have been too many words about it and not enough action. There's nothing I could say, especially on a radio interview, to make it better. It's incumbent on all of us to find ways out of it. And obviously, on our front office end, a big part of that transactional period, it's time of it's time of excuse me, it's the time of year to do that. Change is obviously called for if we keep playing like this. But there's opportunities for everyone to do better. Every player, every coach, everyone associated with what we're doing right now, it's not satisfactory. And then you heard him say, change in order if Cubs keep struggling. It's obviously can't continue. It's not acceptable. Again, he reiterates that. So, you know, some of those were paraphrase quotes. Some of those were exactly what he said in the interview. But you get the idea. You get the idea. He's frustrated. He knows that the blame is going to fall on him because he is the president of the team and he is not ruling anything out. And yes, that would include selling if things get bad. Hopefully it doesn't, but I would not be totally surprised if this wasn't just kind of a ploy to get the team motivated a little bit. I, I just, I, I don't know that if that's the case or not, but part of me thinks that maybe he, he sees the way things are going and, and this is his way of telling the guys, like, look, you need to pick it up. And I Because I don't necessarily believe that he would make moves that would take the Cubs out of it at this trade deadline because as bad as they have been, as bad as they have looked, the fact remains the Cubs are one game out of first place in their division. So despite all the struggles, the reality is, is they're still very much in the thick of it to win their division. And so I just don't see how you could feel justified in taking your team out of it by trading your assets. I just don't, I don't see that happening. I don't think it's the right move. I don't necessarily think it's, it's bad to say so just to see if you can light a fire in your guys, but I really don't think it would be a wise decision for the front office to sell the good players uh, and, and start building up some farm system talent again. I just don't, you know, it would, it would be one thing if the Milwaukee Brewers were the hottest team in baseball and they had like a nine or 10 game lead at this point, then maybe we'd be having a different conversation, but since they're pretty much right there next to each other, I don't think you can do it. I just don't think it would be the right move. I mean, we can say that right now for sure. You wouldn't want to see that. Let's just for sake of argument, let's say things continue to go really, really bad over the next one, uh-huh. three weeks. Yeah. Including the all-star break. You know, you have a little break in there, but you know, let's say things continue to go bad. Then you got the break and then they come out really slow during the all-star break. You you fall behind, I don't know, five games, five and a half. What would you do? What would be the oh, what would tough. be like the the cutoff for buying it, it, or selling? See, I I don't think it, you can just you can make it just a set number of games back because I think it's it depends not just on the Cubs but on the the rest of the the division too. It depends on how the Cardinals are playing. It depends on how the Brewers are playing because if the Cubs are starting to look better 
but then the Brewers just get insanely hot and get a little separation, then maybe I have the the mindset of, you know, uh, well, you know, they've got a, a sizable lead, but the Cubs are playing better baseball, and there's reason to believe they could catch up. Now, if, if, if it's a case of, you know, the Cubs just keep playing the way they're playing, and they're down five and a half, six, seven games by then, then – Maybe I'm selling, and and not, and I'm not talking about a fire sale either. No, yet. I'm nobody. I'm not talking is. about getting rid of absolutely everyone. But if it's if it's looking fairly obvious that the Brewers are going to start pulling away and it's going to be their division, then maybe yeah, maybe I consider trying to get some good minor league pieces again. And I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to trading Craig Kimbrell if we got to that point because I think they could get an absolute haul for Craig Kimbrell. For multiple years of him, yeah. Because then, because then, you know, you you swallow this season, you 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 take your medicine, and then you can go out and you can sign somebody. But I don't know. Well, yeah, it's it's going to be one of those things where you also ask. Let's say you do go into kind of a sell mode. Obviously, not a fire sale. What? exactly would you sell i mean you mentioned craig kimbrell uh you're you're two guys that would probably generate not a lot necessarily but something valuable to a competitive team are either hurt or not playing and i mean cole hamels and ben zobrist so well hamels hamels would be the most he he'd be another one if he's healthy they get him fully healthy again. Hamels could be a really good trade piece too. If, if the they problem is route. we don't know what it, when he's going to be healthy again. Yeah, we don't know for sure, but it does. From what they've said, it sounds like they they feel like they've dodged a bullet and that he'll be back. Let's hope. I mean, really, that's a really important piece. Um, but you know, let's let's keep looking. You're not going to sell Rizzo. You're not going to sell Bryant. You're not going to sell Javi. You're not going to sell Contreras. No, Schwarber maybe. Schwarber could go. Schwarber could go. Not even maybe. Schwarber could go. Schwarber could absolutely go if that's the route they decide to go. Of all these guys we just listed off, he's he's far and away the most expendable. Yeah. It's a lineup lineup with a ton of pop in it. A ton of guys have a lot of pop, and that's all Kyle Schwarber has. That's it. He gets on base at a decent clip, but he's never going to hit for a good average. His defense is only okay. I mean, it, it's it's average defense. It's nothing spectacular. Lately, he's been making some stupid mistakes out there. He's been looking more like the Kyle Schwarber that gets made fun of on Twitter a lot. Really, the only big part of his game is that he hits home runs. And I don't necessarily think he hits enough home runs uh, to to make him an untouchable person either for the for the average that he hits for. Yeah, and while we're talking right now, the Cubs 2-0 lead in the Pirates game within about two minutes just vanished, and now they are trailing 3-2. to uh, It took about a five or six pitches for a double-double home run. Uh, so, yeah, things are really trending nicely. Um, yeah, I mean, he's a guy. Steve Ciszek would probably be a guy. Yeah, he's he's maybe Kinsler, too, and... Yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, he's been pretty good this year. But there's, you know, it's not like you have a bunch of high-value veterans on expiring contracts. 
The closest thing you have is Cole Hamels. And we don't know if Ben Zobris is going to play again. Theo keeps saying he believe he, he believes he is, but we don't really know if that's going to happen or not or yeah. when it's going to happen. John Lester isn't going to be traded for no. multiple reasons. We know that. Quintana is not going to get you anything, at least right now. You know, after we gave two future possible studs a few years ago, uh, mm-hmm. you're not going to trade you Darvish. You're not going to trade Kyle Hendricks. They couldn't trade you Darvish even if they tried. No. No. Uh, Jason Hayward, who's having a very nice year. Very nice year. He's the only one on that team lately who's looked worth a darn. Right. I know. But nobody's going to nobody's gonna take that, right? That's still a huge no, contract. No, yeah, that's still way too much to take on. The, the Cubs would have to eat a good chunk of that contract to move him. Yep. Uh, so count that out. Elmora, no, no one's... That's that's that'll maybe get you a bag of balls right now. Uh, Ian Happ, unfortunately, you know, we've seen the struggles of Ian Happ continue in AAA. I hate to say it, but we may be nearing lost cause with him. I I don't know what else to say about him. <sighs> Feels bad, man. Yeah, I he's taken walks, but that's about it. Still striking out a lot, not batting for a high average. Uh, Highly disappointing. Yeah. So there's not going to be a whole lot to sell off if they potentially do. We've talked about what we've liked them to buy. I mean, one of the guys I talked about earlier on a show, Malachi Cabrera, just hit a go-ahead two-run home run off Darvish. Uh, So... There, there's plenty of guys out there that I think would fit nicely on the Cubs, whether they are attainable or not. But the fact of the matter is, even if you make improvements on the roster, the roster as a whole still has to play better. I mean, every night something stupid happens and they just they can't get it together. Would you say that this is the most frustrating stretch of Cubs baseball in the contending era because there have been a number of frustrating like stretches yes. but yes. this because this is the most concerning one because they no one can seem to break out of it because it, it it just doesn't look like a case of bad luck in a slump it just looks like sloppy uninterested baseball it's a shame and I have heard People mentioning how they haven't had an off day in a while, and I get it's probably tiring. But how come? Yeah, it, but you know what? It's, other it's, teams don't. It's that way for everyone else too. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. That excuse doesn't slide when you know everyone else is dealing with the same thing. Right. The Dodgers don't have any problems with it. No. Other teams seem to do fine with it. Like I, I get it. It is tiring, but it's you can't keep making that excuse. That's the other problem I have is that. I am tired of the excuses. I'm tired of them. Yeah, some of them excuses. just some of them just aren't going to fly anymore. No. And, and some of them just don't make that much sense either. No. So a move was made today to maybe help things. 
I don't know. But Robel Garcia was called up today. Wasn't in the lineup because I think he was just getting here. But Theo Epstein announced he's coming up. 72 games between AA, AAA, slashing 285, 364, 594, an OPS of 958, and 21 homers. He hit 15 of those homers with the AAA Iowa Cubs. He batted 281 there with a 352 on base, 596 slugging with an OPS north of 940. The numbers look good in the minors. There is a concern, though, about strikeouts. He has struck out 90 times in 72 games, and the adjustment metrics, yeah, to the big leagues, yeah, that's a lot of strikeouts. But, you know, this is kind of a guy where I could see him being, like, going on a short-term tear because pitchers don't really know how to pitch to him, and then they kind of figure him out. But we'll see. I mean, it's it's a different stage. I mean, obviously, on the one hand, it's the big leagues, so it's going to be tougher. But on the other hand, you know, this is your shot, and you're going to do whatever you can to make the most of it. And so, you know, there's no, it's not necessarily a guarantee that that strikeout rate is going to carry over. Uh, obviously, it's a little concerning, but maybe this is the spark plug they need. Maybe this is Addison Russell's wake up call. Um, and, and this guy can play, if I'm not mistaken, he can play the outfield too. So, I mean, this, yeah, he's is, versatile. This, is, this is a really good utility young guy too, in his mid twenties that maybe this is what the team needs. I don't know. He's, he's not going to be a clubhouse leader. I, at least I don't anticipate that, but maybe, maybe a little change like this kind of gets the ball rolling again. You would hope because there have been plenty of times where we've said, Hopefully we get the ball rolling and it hasn't. How many how many times have we looked at a win and said, okay, this is going to be what sparks this team? And it hasn't. I look at the comeback against the Mets. Look at the comeback against the Dodgers. Look at the comeback against the Braves where Kimbrell got his first save. It, it looked like, okay, this could be a major turning point here. And it, 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 do, it doesn't. It's not. It hasn't been. Yeah, a bunch of times we thought it would be and it hasn't been, but that doesn't mean you stop trying either. Well, no, you um, have to keep trying. It's just right. I I believe less and less every time. But they I mean they they are getting to a point though where they're they're going to be starting to run low on options here too. Yeah. I just I don't I don't know. The last few years I've always tried to tell myself, look, slumps happen. This team has come through. I, I just, I don't feel it as much with this team right now. This do, this doesn't just look like a slump, though. This looks like complacency. It looks like laziness. And let's Would you look agree? Back. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's look back at 2017. Remember when they were five and a half back uh, mm-hmm. of the Brewers going into the All-Star break? And, you know, some may say, well, look, they did it then. And, you know, they do it again. They're a second half team. Look, there were things that were different in that year than this year. You were behind a Brewers team that had no experience winning whatsoever. They were surprising everybody. You had a Cubs team that had assets to trade, and they traded for Quintana. You had a Cubs team that was just coming off a World Series win and was going through kind of a hangover. And you had a Cubs team that opened up the second half with a very... Very favorable schedule. 
in this in the July after the All Star break, it's not awful, but it's not like it was in 2017. I mean, how many times are we going to say at the All-Star break, look, we just need to go on a tear in the second half and play 700 ball and we'll be okay? How many times are we going to keep doing that? How many times is it going to keep working? Well, fortunately for the Cubs, the Brewers, are they look just as shaky. And so, if the, I mean, maybe maybe playing 500 ball the rest of the way is good enough to win the NL Central. I mean, that, you that can't very... count on it, though. No, 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 no. You absolutely can't count on that, but that's that's definitely a possibility. And then if that does happen, then all you need is one short little hot stretch. But, I mean, that's neither here nor there. The reality is, is the Cubs, they've, they've got some figuring out to do. And, yeah, the circumstances are totally different than they were in 2017 when it was a, a Brewers team that was not only surprising everyone else but themselves, too. And like you said, the Cubs had assets to trade. They could get some big pieces. They don't have those kinds of assets anymore. No, they do bit, not. They're, they're kind of limited in what they can go out and get now. And so it's it's kind of the clock is ticking. Like it's it really it's not the kind of thing that Theo can just wave a magic wand and fix by moving a bunch of pieces around and getting some guys. It really just comes down to this roster has to play better ball. And that's really that's all it is. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, just right now, you got a two nothing lead. You had plenty of opportunity to add on. You couldn't. And immediately you gave it right back. How many times have we seen that this year? Yeah, over and over. Over and over. Again, it's the same movie, different day. Okay? I'm tired of watching the same movie every day. Mm-hmm. We know how it ends. Yeah, exactly. We know how it ends. It's so, so frustrating to watch as a fan. I, I, I don't really know what else to say. I mean, what else is there to say? I mean, I, I think we've pretty much covered it all here. It's, it really just comes down to these guys need to get their head out, to put it bluntly. Yep. Yeah. And it's the hits the hits will come. I believe that. But the errors and the mental mistakes on the base paths, that has to stop. They I mean they they just have to cut that out now. Yeah, absolutely. They need to make adjustments, period. I also think that there may be a time where coaching has to make some adjustments in the field because you know, you look at the way that other teams scout the Cubs. They have them positioned perfectly in the field for every hitter. So every ground ball off a Cub, you know, goes right into the shift. While it's seemingly so many ground balls off an opposing batter squeak through and find holes. You know, I think there's some coaching elements there. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I, I, I would not, I would not disagree with that. I think that it, that definitely is a factor and, you know, I, I don't know how long we can go uh, just seeing the same thing over and over and over again before somebody on that team says, hey, we, we something we got to shake something up here. I mean, we can't can't just keep doing what we're doing and expect things to all of a sudden magically get better. I mean, that's obviously that's not going to happen. No, you want to know another 
another fact that I just kind of did in my head right now is uh, going into tonight, the Cubs have four division wins since Memorial Day. So they swept the Cardinals at home. And they beat Cincinnati once. Pretty much been garbage since then, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, And then if you go before Memorial Day, they had that three-game series with the Reds. They lost two out of three there. Then they lost two out of three in Cincinnati. Um, Their last series win against a division opponent was that three-game sweep at Wrigley Field over the Cardinals. And before that, it was against the Brewers at Wrigley Field, two out of three. That was early May. Big yikes. Big yikes indeed. Big oof. Well, Baez just tied the game with a solo shot, so, you know, hopefully that's a, a good sign there of things we go. to come. You know, Baez has been doing a little better lately. Well, why don't we talk about Baez and Contreras and Bryant in particular? They're the three that have been given all-star honors, uh, I think all well-deserved. I would really just love to see them just kind of sit in the dugout and not have to do anything and just rest and play personally. I know it's cool, but, you know. I mean, that's it's the all-star game. None of those guys are really trying all that hard anyway. It's mostly showtime stuff, and it's not... They're already having to play every single day. One more is not going not gonna to kill them. I'm indifferent on that, I guess. Well, I think there's a difference between playing a few innings in an all-star game and also participating in the home run derby. I think there's a big difference there, which none of them are. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I uh, Personally, I, think... I, I enjoy the home run derby more than the, the actual all-star game. Though, oh, so. I agree. Home run derby is fun. I like what they've done with it lately. I, I enjoy the 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 format they've been oh, doing. Oh, like with the clock? Mm-hmm. I'll never forget when I was a kid watching the 2008 Home Run Derby at Yankee Stadium when, uh, I think, was it was it Josh Hamilton that went absolutely bonkers Hamil- in that? Yeah, Hamilton went nuts one of those years. I remember, yeah, I know what you're talking about. He didn't even win it, but he just went nuts in one of those rounds, and it mm-hmm. was... Like, he hit one off the old facade at old Yankee Stadium in right center. It, do you realize how much you have to get a hold of that? Like, it's crazy. Yeah, that's a shot. That was fun. And that I do miss the golden balls, though. I always thought that was kind of fun. But overall, I agree. I think the format is fun. And I remember they introduced the format a few years ago in Cincinnati when Rizzo and Bryant were participating and they were rookies. Well, I should Bryant was a rookie, Rizzo was not, but it was uh, their first home run derby, I should say. So yeah, I, I do like I do like that format. Um, I need to keep track of who's even participating. I know Yelich is. Some people have backed out. I do you know anyone else who's participating? I have to look at the list. Um, I guess. I really, off the top of my head, there's Vlad Jr. Um, yeah, right. man, I was I was looking at this not too long ago. Bellinger, right? Ago, and, and, He'll be in it. Yeah, Bellinger is going to be in it. That's right. Um, I, it's it's a fairly decent group of guys, I think. I think the last few years they've had some problems 
attracting some bigger stars. And well, really, last year was fun between Harper and Schwarber. Yeah, that was cool. That was cool. But I, I also don't know that that Schwarber is the kind of guy who's going to get, you know, your average baseball fan to turn on the TV for that. Um, I, I think that the league should do more to incentivize the biggest superstars in the game to do this. I mean, we, we really should be seeing guys like like Mike Trout doing this. I mean, nobody as good as these, some of these players are, nobody's going to turn on the TV to see Carlos Santana. Uh, well, nobody, I don't think anybody's going to turn on the TV guys don't to see do it. Josh that's Bell. The problem. Well, th- yeah, that, that, that's what I'm saying though, is that the, the league, the league needs to do something to incentivize those guys to, to want to do this, whether you, you know, maybe it's a payout, you know, maybe you give a couple million dollars to the winner or something. I don't know. But I mean, I guess Christian Yelich has, has kind of built his way up to being one of the premier superstars of the game. That's happened relatively quickly. But, I mean, it, like Pete Alonzo, you know, no, fairly uninteresting field of guys, I guess. I, it's it's not, as, not as great as I was thinking it was. Pete Alonzo, if he was on a good team, man, who he'd be getting a lot more attention. Yeah, you're right. And, I mean, there's there's no team as... as I'll say I'll say this, Cubs fans. As bad as things are right now, at least it's not the Mets. At, at least you're not a Mets fan. A more dysfunctional organization you could not hope to find. How is Mickey Callaway still their manager? I don't know. I really thought he was going to get fired after the last incident. Yeah, with Jason Vargas and the reporter. At yeah, that was just yeah, that was a very s- Mets thing to do. Did you hear that when they were honoring the '69 Mets, they had like an in memoriam? like title slideshow and some of the guys they had in there weren't even dead yet. But are you surprised it was the Mets? (laughs) No, it could only be the Mets that could do something like that. Exactly. Like, isn't that crazy? How does that even happen? Wow. Mets, Mets, man. You can't even go on their Wikipedia pages. What's with that? Jeez. You know what's crazy? Going back to the home run derby, Yelich is on like a Barry Bonds pace home runs, right? Like, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. But yeah. when you picture Christian Yelich playing, do you really picture like that? Like, like you, you would think of a guy like that being like some big, burly slugger. You don't picture Christian Yelich like that. No, no. Kind like, of you the picture opposite. a Giancarlo yeah. Stanton type, but he's yeah. not that type no christian yelich does not look like uh like the numbers he puts up it, it, he doesn't look like he should be doing that but he does right it's it's funny um but he, he does it i mean if there was someone chasing down a barry bonds record he would have been one of the last guys i would have suspected i would have thought like aaron judge would be the next guy or Giancarlo Stanton in a Yankee uniform being the next guy who also really sucks that he's hurt again. Guy's been riddled with injuries. Yeah, he's had a rough go of it. Really throughout his whole career, he's had a ton of injuries. Uh-huh. It's a shame. Uh, and also, Tommy LaStella, former Cub, makes it to the All-Star game, slugging home runs left and right. Really sad to see him 
get hurt like that yeah. on a freak accident. Yeah, that's that's really too bad. That's eight to ten weeks. Yeah, that's that's rough. Because man, what a season he he's been having. Also, I said this on the last podcast, but I'm going to say it again. Um, we both want to extend our sympathies to the family of Tyler Skaggs and the Angels organization. Mm-hmm. That really was a shock. Really sad. Yeah. Very, very heartbreaking. Tragic. He was he was having a very nice season, too. Yeah, Just, he was. He was he was he was having a solid year for the Angels. It, it's really sad to see. And uh, it, mm-hmm. it was hard watching that postgame presser. Um, so, you know, thoughts out to them. It's got to be hard to try to play after something like that happens. Yeah, yeah, I can't imagine. Well, uh, did you have any last thoughts, comments, concerns before we sign off today? No, I really, I think we pretty much touched base on everything we needed to. You know, I, I hope everyone out there, including yourself, has a nice 4th of July weekend. Enjoy time with your families. Be safe. All right. Well, uh, everyone, have a happy 4th of July. Just a reminder, you can check out Cubby's Crib at cubbyscrib.com. You can also check out this podcast on iTunes.com. Until next week, he's Adam. I'm Alex. Have a great 4th of July.